0: Thank you very much, Travis. In light of the message of that song, my question would be, have you come to the cross? Have you come to faith in Christ? Is he your savior? If you have, are you sharing that message with others? Are you sharing Christ with others in your severe influence in your day by day living? The fact that through Christ, there can be a relationship with the Lord and would encourage you in your day-to-day living as you come into contact with unbelievers, co-workers, other students, and so on, that you share Christ with them. Let's pray together and then we'll talk about crumbs are more than enough. Thanks, Father, for Christ. Through him we have life. Thank you for the privilege we have of sharing with others. We thank you too, Father, for giving us the written word. As we consider a portion in Mark's gospel that points to Christ, we want to be sensitive to living it out day by day. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you consider yourself independently wealthy, having millions to spend each year on whatever your heart desires? Assuming that that is not true of most of us, what if you decided to approach Bill Gates and ask him for some help in paying your mortgage and electric bill? His response is, then has to take care of his wife and children and those he has chosen to help. You respond with, Yes, Mr. Gates, but can I have just one tenth of what you spend on leisure in a year? In essence, the account of Mark 7 24 through 27 is very similar, where we find a lady basically saying, Christ, at least let me have some crumbs. Let's read together Mark 7 and 24 through 30 Mark 7 24 through 30 and again we find that Mark is unveiling Christ as we continue to discuss the book of Mark Mark 7 beginning with verse 24 Jesus left that place and went into the vicinity of Tyre He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it yet he could not keep his presence secret In fact And as as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on bed, and the demon gone. The account in the life of Jesus stands in contrast to the encounter in chapter 7, 1 through 23, where he was contending with the religious leaders. Here he's ministering in a Gentile territory, the disciples continue to be with him. And as I mentioned over and over as we discuss the Gospel of Mark, the identity, the being and the character of Jesus is so critical. We are called to follow a person, Jesus, not merely what He has done for us on the cross, His identity. His being, His character are foundational to the work on the cross. Often take time to reflect upon the character, identity, and being of Jesus. The Gospels devote much, much more time to the identity, the character, and the being of Jesus than they do the work on the cross. We're called to be disciples of Jesus, not merely to escape hell and go to heaven. We follow Jesus because of who he is, not merely what he does for us. That is, go to heaven, answers to prayer, a good family, or a job. If we follow due to what he does only when things don't go the way we think, then we tend to drift. Mark is calling us to follow Christ for who he is, which includes what he has done. R. Kent says concerning this passage, and I quote When this beautiful encounter is viewed from the beginning to end in its context, it is evident it was divinely arranged. Jesus had just come off a huge clash with the scribal establishment over the concept of ritual defilement, arguing that externals do not defile a person, but from within, and what comes from within makes a person unclean. The encounter over, Jesus withdrew to get some much-needed rest. But in doing so, he purposely journeyed into Gentile territory, which, according to the Scrabble mind, was ritually unclean. There he met an unclean Syrian Phoenicia, Phoenician woman. Her faith dramatically contrasted with the hardened unbelief of the Pharisees and scribes. As such, her faith becomes a beautiful prophecy of the gospel of Christ, which he would proclaim with power to the Gentile world. Jesus held her up as a jewel in the light for all to see. End of quote. Now, I want you to understand that this woman was a descendant of the ancient race which Israel had attempted to exterminate she was a Canaanite. And Israel was supposed to take care of all of them. And please understand also that he is dealing with a woman. She was a Greek. And we need to understand that she was considered a dog and a female dog at that. The establishment was scandalized by a rabbi having any contact with such a person. In fact, there was a sect of the religious establishment called, called the bruised and bleeding. That is the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. And, and the reason they were called that is because when they saw a woman, they would cover their eyes and thus bump into whatever happened to be there. Their bruises were the pious marks of exalted sexual ethics. They thought Jesus dealing with this woman would get notorious press from the establishment. The encounter between Jesus and this Phoenician woman stands in cart stark contrast to the controversy with the Pharisees in the preceding story. The preceding account in Mark 7, 1 through 23 involves Pharisees, teachers of the law. revolves around Jewish men who are concerned with the law. The present story concerns a non-Jewish woman without the law. The tradition of the elders presupposed that there could be no salvation apart from the law. In the present story, Mark shows that a Gentile pagan can find Jesus apart from the law. Tyre, which was the region this lady was from, laid west and north of the Sea of Galilee. It was a Gentile region with long antagonism towards Israel. The region had been the home of Jezebel. Some of us remember her, who in Elijah's day had nearly subverted the northern kingdom with her pagan prophets and prophecies, or, uh, practices. During the Maccabean revolt in the second century B.C., Tyre fought against the Jews. <coughs> the prophets decried the wealth and terror of Tyre. Josephus concluded that the inhabitants of Tyre were notorious and our bitterest enemy. So again, please keep in mind that we're dealing with a lady that is a Gentile from a region that is not considered good. And she is considered a dog, as we'll comment in just a few moments. Notice in verse 24, he entered a house. It's interesting that he entered a house. As you read through Mark, you'll find that the ministry of Jesus was often in houses, the norm of daily living. He went where people were. He didn't wait for people to come to him. Do we go to where people are to minister to them? We find the characters involved. Jesus is one of them. Remember his being, his character, his identity. We can assume that the 12 are present, they continue to be with Jesus, whoever was in the house, and then this Greek woman. Now, he enters this house apparently because he didn't want anyone to know it. You know, he's trying to escape people. Was he physically weary? We don't know. Was he spiritually drained? We don't know. Did he want rest? We don't know. The text doesn't say. But he does want to get away from people. Do you ever been there? You just want to get away from people. Apparently, that was where Jesus was. But what's the perspective of the people? Yet he could not keep his presence secret. No, he could not hide. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's been ministering to people. And when that kind of news gets around, people take notice. So we find a woman pursues him. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. Now, she has a daughter. The daughter was not with her, who is possessed by a demon. That would pose a question how did she know that her daughter was possessed by a demon? The text doesn't tell us, but as you read through the gospels, it seems like when someone was possessed by a demon, the people recognized it, that a person was possessed by a demon. So are people possessed by demons today? I'm not going to answer that this morning, but how would you recognize it? How did this woman know that her daughter was possessed by a demon? How did the other people possessed by demons and their families know that they were possessed by demons? some thoughts that you might consider as you read the Gospels. But she comes to Jesus, and what does she do? She came and fell at his feet. She didn't come and talk face to face. She fell at his feet. And if we know anything about the culture of that day, she probably was lying on the ground at his feet, paying homage to him, acknowledging her status in life. And what does she do? She begged Jesus. As a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia, she was considered a dog, and she begs. What does she beg? To drive the demon out of her daughter. She recognized his power. She recognized the ability of Jesus and she is persistent. Because notice in verse 27, Jesus responds First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the, their dogs. And she comes back Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She's persistent. There's a duel of wit, so to speak, between Jesus. And the woman, Jesus gives his response. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. You think that would be enough? But she says, the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Can I just have some crumbs? It's not recorded in Mark. But Matthew says in the same encounter that Jesus didn't answer a word. So the disciples said to him, send her away. For she keeps crying after us. So apparently, you know, she didn't just make one request. She apparently repeated the request a number of times. And the disciples said, let's get rid of this woman. So in this duel of wit, so to speak, Jesus says, first let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The reference to the woman as a dog ranks among the most offensive sayings of Jesus. He's calling her a dog. She's making a request, and... He says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It would not be an overstatement to say that dog was a thoroughly negative expression in the ancient world. There are instances of dogs being associated with positive virtues of humility or service or watchfulness. But nevertheless, almost all Old Testament passages illustrate the loathing that devote Jews felt towards dogs. Dogs were associated with uncleanness because he ate garbage and corpses. The expression was a negative for people jur- would judge it as worthless and despendable. Dispen- yeah, in the New Testament, dogs are considered the same way. Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 7, don't give what is sacred to the dogs. He describes human wretchedness in terms of a street mongrel licking the sores of a beggar. And Paul refers us to his opponents as dogs. In the Rabbonical teaching, a dog remained a term of reproach. The metaphor was very common in Rabbonical teaching. The peoples of the world are like dogs, declared the rabbis. But it's interesting that Jesus says, it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Jesus is referring to a dog, according to the Greek term, that would be a household dog that would be within the house at times. And Jesus says it's not right to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs, you know, the dogs in the house, because that's for the children. Again, not referring referring to some dog that's out scavenging, you know, in the dump and so on. What is being said? We need to understand that Jesus came first to the Jews. And the Jews were considered children of Abraham. Anyone who was not a Jew obviously is a non-Jew and was a dog because Jesus came primarily to the Jews. And the woman recognized that Jesus was sent primarily to the Jews. Notice, yes, Lord, but even the dogs... (laughs) If you please the Gentiles under the table, eat the children's crumbs, the Jewish crumbs. In essence, she is saying, Lord, if you say I am a dog, I am. She doesn't argue with the statement of Jesus. You don't take the bread for the children and give it to the dogs but she says even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs you say I'm a dog, I'm a dog I'm a non-Jew, I'm on the outside (coughs) but can I have some crumbs can I be part of the prophetic fulfillment of Christ when he says in Matthew 8, 11 and 12 as Jesus says I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. She's persistent, Jesus, just some crumbs. Just some of the leftovers of the bread that you give to the Jews. And the word here for the crumbs is used two other times in the gospel of Mark. In the feeding of the 5,000 and the food that was left, and the feeding of the 4,000 and the food that was left, there was more than enough. And the woman is saying, Jesus, there's more than enough of you to heal my daughter. She grasped that. She grasped what Jesus was saying more so than what the teachers of that day would grasp. What does Jesus say in verse 29? Then he told her, for such a reply you may go home. The devil has left your daughter. In light of the context The girl was not present. The girl was at home. And Jesus has the authority over demons to cast them out at a distance. She went home and found her child lying on the bed. The demon was gone. Here's a Gentile woman, a Syrophoenician woman, From Gentile territory coming to Jesus with a request, Brubaker paraphrase, can't I just have some crumbs? Jesus honors that reply and casts the demon out. What is the point of this passage? It affirms Jesus' power over evil spirits, even when they are not physically present. His ministry is beyond the Jews, and faith seems to be a vital factor. Here is Jesus, the one that is being rejected by the teachers of the law, the scribes, the Pharisees, and what's he do? He cast out an evil spirit, even when the girl who is possessed is not present. And it was in a dog's daughter's life, using scriptural terminology. not sufficient to merely learn scripture, let's consider a couple applications before we worship the Lord in communion. Minister to people where they are in homes. We must minister to people where they are in daily life. Where did Jesus go? Here he's in a house. In someone's house. We don't know what he was going to do. People still came to him, but he ministered where they were. Do we hang out with people in their severe influence? Consider work, school, sports, neighbors and so on? Do we hang out with them? Rather than zipping out of work, do we spend some time with a coworker? I Maybe mean, take them to a meal? Do we invite them into their home? But ministering and spending time with people where they are, not always where we are you find that was very characteristic of Jesus' ministry. Don't limit ministry to certain people. Let's reach beyond our comfort zone. Are we willing to go beyond what we call safe people? Will we go to the deeply hurting? Do we see... Jesus as concerned about and desiring to reach the drug addict, the corrupt political leaders, unconcerned young people in our area. No, will we reach out to those that we might consider a dog? Jesus said, I came to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance he was known as a friend of publicans and sinners do we have dogs sinners as our friends because we're seeking to minister to them we say ah that person's not very safe I don't want to spend too much time with them why not Who else is going to reach them? Well, there's no hope for them. They've been on skid road for how many years? You've been on skid road too, haven't you? We're all on the skid road of sin. Some of us maybe display it more than others before we came to Christ. We just commit different sins before we come to faith. You know, Jesus ministered to In this context, a Gentile woman and her daughter who was considered a dog. And he calls her that. So, considered ministry to the dogs in our world. Don't fear Satan and his demons, they are defeated. Respect them but don't fear them. You will find over and over again that Christ displays victory over the enemy. Here's a girl possessed by a demon, and what does he do? He casts the demon out. He's not even present. And in Colossians 2 and verse 15, we find that Scripture says that through the cross, Satan, that is through the cross of Christ, Satan has been defeated. In Hebrews chapter 2, Verses 14 through 16, where we find that the writer of Hebrews talks about the fact that Satan has been defeated and we don't need to fear. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, Paul tells us to put on the armor of God so that when the enemy attacks, we can take a stand. And after our stand, the enemy is fleeing. We don't need to cower in light of Satan. He's been defeated through the cross of Christ, a healthy respect. But our Savior has been victorious. Are we willing to break tradition, religious traditions, to reach on believers? Are we willing to break religious traditions to reach on believers, for example, Go to people hurting to reach them rather than waiting for them to come to us. For example, it might be a parent of a VBS child, an Awana club, or a teen. It might be a neighbor who is living in some type of sin. Oh, I wouldn't want to be caught with that person. If you're caught trying to minister to that person, that's why Jesus got into trouble. He was known as a friend of people like that. Are we willing to break religious tradition to reach people? I've said to some people, you know, on a given day, I said, you know, I'm going to jail today. What are you going to jail for? Well, they're not going to lock me up, at least not at this point in life. I'm going to visit someone well, who are you going to visit? I'm going to visit this person who committed this sin for the and so on. Why shouldn't I hang around with them? Scott and Darlene, who'd you have at your house last night? I think I recognized the car. Isn't that the local drug addict? Yeah. Why were they at your house? We're being Jesus like. We're trying to minister. That's what Jesus is doing. He's ministering to a dog, someone that is considered an outcast, someone who is a non-Jew, someone born in a terrible area, just reaching out. Spend time with and invite a neighbor into your home. Time with a wayward teen or a young adult. You younger people, please excuse me for just a moment. Sometimes older people say, well, young people just aren't the way they used to be. I'm not going to debate that one way or the other. If they aren't that way, then get busy and help them to be different. We can moan and complain about what isn't, but are we going to make a difference for the kingdom? And I'm not saying all you young people are out of it and not with it. Please don't interpret me that way. You know, befriend them, care for them, reach out and minister to them. How about time with an alcoholic, a drug addict? Or must we stay in our sacred groups? Most of those people will not come to us. I remember sometime back, being invited to a party And Ruthann and I chose to go to the party, and I figured that at this party, you know, there would be some things available that, you know, Ruthann and I wouldn't agree. And walk in, and the guy says, well, pastor, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll just take some soda. We sat down, we visited, and we talked. And lo and behold, the wife came to Christ. A son came to Christ. And I had multiple opportunities to present Christ to that man. But if I had said no, I would have never had that opportunity. As we think about Christ and what he has done, remember it's through the blood that we have salvation. Let's sing together nothing but the blood, and then my heart is filled.